listening to the Teach From Home podcast, the podcast that equips, educates, and encourages brand new homeschoolers. My name is Beth Pavlik. I'm a homeschooling mom to four kids. I'm the owner of the YouTube channel Teach From Home and the website BethPavlik.com, where you can find all kinds of great resources, including my online course for new homeschoolers. Welcome, and let's get started. Do unschoolers get a diploma? How are they able to pass standardized tests at the end of the year? How do we document what they learn? How do kids learn math while unschooling? And why did John Holt call it unschooling? This video is so special because I had the privilege of interviewing Pat Ferenga, who actually worked with John Holt in his offices before he passed away. I can't wait for you to hear our conversation all about homeschooling, unschooling, and the public school system. And you'll want to stick around all the way till the end because Pat shares some excellent resources for what unschooling high school looks like and how they get into colleges. So stick around for that. Okay, so today I have a super, super um, thoughtful interview, a guest here with me today. Um, we have Pat Ferenga, who has just graciously agreed to be interviewed by me today, and I'm going to give him the chance to introduce himself for those that um, don't know who he is yet. All right. Um well, uh, I got started uh, in, in homeschooling um, in 1981 uh, when I joined uh, John Holt's company, Holt Associates, and they published the magazine Growing Without Schooling. And um, I joined as a volunteer so I could learn word processing, which you know seems seems crazy, but back then it was a separate machine. <laughs> it was you know it was like a typewriter, but it, it had all sorts of memory built into it. It had little discs, and I think they held about. 10 pages, 10 typed pages. And we thought that was a miracle. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and so I got started, started there and uh, it was just to learn word processing, but I was so interested in John Holt who was running the company and, um, and the people that I met there. I actually didn't meet John Holt when I first started work there. He was doing a, a tour of Scandinavia at the time. So, um, you know, I was just, just meeting unschooling families and the volunteers that came in there. Uh, Donna Rishu was the editor at the time. And um, I eventually, you know, I thought I'd only be there for a couple of months because, you know, I got my master's degree in English and I couldn't find a teaching job anywhere. <laughs> you know, and this is 1981. Uh, they were laying teachers off in Massachusetts then. I mean, people forget there are these waves. Now we can't we have a teacher shortage, but yeah. you know, it, it goes like that. And, um, and even though I had a, a master's degree from the college, it was like, oh, no, you, you, you need an education degree to teach the public schools. And so, so I just decided, well, let me go work in a bookstore, which is what I did. And um, the cashier there, her husband worked at Holt Associates and said, oh, yeah, Tim, if you help Tim, he'll teach you how to use a word processor. And, you know, wow. th that was at my en entree in into the work. Mm -hmm. And then um, I, I just couldn't believe it. Like, you know, the, the, the mail kept coming in every day, getting bigger. They were growing. And um, when John did come back from Scandinavia, his office manager, and he met and they offered me a position. You know, so I started I started working there. And um, when the office manager left, I became the office manager for John and became his personal manager and uh, worked with him until his death in 1985. And uh, he left the company to me after that the board. Um, and uh, I've been I ran Growing Without Schooling from 1985 till we stopped publishing in 2001. So uh, my colleague Susanna Sheffer, who uh, edited most of those magazines, edited more magazines than John did. 
you know, wow. it's a, it's a, yeah, I, I think it's a tribute to, uh, you know, how, how important people felt GWS, you know, growing without schooling was, you know, and, and it still is, it still is. So yes. uh, I, I also, you know, we got, I, we got married. Uh, my wife actually became the, the uh, office manager at Holt Associates as we were growing. And uh, we had three girls and now they're all grown up, uh, 37, 33 and 30. And, uh, you know, uh, I know you want to talk about college. You know, two uh, went in as homeschoolers, got into college, graduated, no problem. Um, our middle daughter hated college, left after one year. Wow. <laughs> so, <laughs> but they're all working full time, employed and happy as adults. You know, college yeah. is a goal and everything, uh, but, and, and end all of everything. So, wow. <laughs> so that's a short intro for me. <laughs> well, that is amazing. Thank you so much. I love it. I, I speaking of the growing without schooling newsletter or the uh, the whole thing that got put into books, you know, like all of the all the oh, newsletters yeah. and then all of the responses and him responding to people. I just read the first volume this past summer. I mean, that was a beast to read. It was so long, um, but I, I read the whole thing. And actually I had a, a small uh, book club that I went through it with. And that was so wow. eye-opening just because I've read most of his books, mm -hmm. but then to read all of those newsletters and like, just to see what was happening during that time when people yes. were really fighting all of the, the rules and the state laws and all of that to be like, no, we don't want to keep them in school. We have to try to do this at home. And they mm -hmm. weren't necessarily always allowed to. And all of the, the court cases trying to fight for those freedoms. Right. I was like, man, those pioneer homeschoolers were so inspiring, you know, because it was not mm -hmm. the mainstream thing and it's still not the mainstream thing, but it's definitely more mainstream and obviously oh, yeah. legal in all 50 states now before it was back mm -hmm. then. So it's so fascinating to read those stories. Right. Well, the, the interesting thing there is you know, homeschooling was always legal. You know, mm -hmm. there was never a, a law prohibiting it, but no one, no one was trying it. It was only after people started to do it. They said, and, and they said, no, you know, there are, there are ways around like the compulsory education law. You know, um, I love the British phrase, you know, their exceptions to the law is education otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> and that was before homeschooling. They always just had that category. It was have always been alternative schools. Not everyone thrives in school, you know. Right. But you know, we don't. We don't. I don't know what why we don't believe in plurality in education. Like we, we believe like everyone's got to just learn the same thing at the same time at the same age, you know. Right. But uh, most European countries have no problem, you know, having a mixture of different faith schools and public schools and private schools and. You know, it's not this, you know, we all have to follow the same curriculum and be trained the same way. Yeah, you know? right. Well, and so I've homeschooled my kids from the beginning and I've read all kinds of books about all the different methods and, you know, um, just really tried to educate myself on how I can make this different from the classroom, you know, and why we want to make it different from the classroom. And, and so when I started my YouTube channel back in 2020, I was really just trying to be like, I know enough about homeschooling that I can just help the next one in line. And that's really what my goal was, was to yeah. be like all these. And it actually started before the pandemic. So it wasn't like I was, I started the channel because I wanted to help people that were choosing homeschool. It was just in general, I wanted to start, you know, I wanted this to be my business, which was to help new homeschoolers. But then once that started and so many people just surged to homeschooling, 
I was like, I need to, you know, this is a really great opportunity to just share all of my basic knowledge about homeschool state laws, where to find curriculum, what kind of, you know, how it's different from traditional school and how it doesn't have to be hard and stressful. And you don't have to always use tests and grades if you don't want to. And, and people started asking so many good questions that I was like, I don't know the answer to that because I'm not, I haven't graduated a child yet. And so <laughs> on all the way through to be like, okay, this worked and this didn't. And, and don't worry about this. It's just a phase. And like, once you get to the end, you'll realize that that was just a season and it's fine. And, you know, I can't give people those answers. And so it's one thing for me to do my research and answer people's questions as best I can, but it's a whole nother thing to be like, having an expert that I can ask specific questions to, you know, like not only did you homeschool your own kids, you have worked with so many homeschooling families and really advocated for alternative learning. And I just so appreciate being able to just ask you these specific questions. I think it's going to be so, so helpful to my audience. So I appreciate it. Great. Happy to be so here. What I, what else I wanted to ask you was like, just your experience with John Holt and like he, you know, he coined the phrase unschooling, which by the way, some people on my channel are like, I just don't like the phrase. I don't, I don't like the term unschooling because it just seems like your kids are not learning anything. And I was like, well, it's hard for me to describe. I mean, unschooling just means, you know, giving your kids more freedom. It's letting, you know, understanding that they can self-educate and understanding that, that just giving them more access to real life is really the best way to let them learn things instead of forcing them to learn things that you have decided to teach them, you know, and, but it's so hard for me to, to just be eloquent about, you know, just sharing what that really means. So like, how could you kind of summarize why he, made the term unschooling or like, you know, what his main goals were? Well, it's interesting that that that, that word was problematic for John and it's still problematic, you know, yeah. I mean, you know uh, but I'll start at the beginning. John was really um, impressed by the work of a man named Ivan Illich. And Illich wrote a book called De-Schooling Society. I think it was in 1971. And, um, John sought him out. They became friends. He was he was really um, interested in that idea. And Illich, well, John would say, you know, the problem with these schooling is people think it means blow up all the schools, get rid of all the schools. And so he said, that's why it's so hard to get your important ideas out there. And um, when I met Illich, it was he used to teach at uh, Penn State. And so myself and some friends were actually the friends who knew him and introduced me to Ivan. Um, uh, and, and I asked him about that title and he said that wasn't his title, <laughs> that he was, he was living in Mexico, uh, where he was working at, at, at the time. He was on the phone with his editor and they were discussing book titles and the editor suggested de-schooling society. And before Illich could respond, the phone connection was lost. And in those days, a long distance phone call was a big deal. I don't, I don't know if you can remember that or you're that old. But, <laughs> you know. and, and so and that was it. And and next thing you know, Yvonne got the page proofs and the book was called De-Schooling Society. Wow. So it wasn't that you know, it really wasn't his choice. It was just like a working title and a, a, something that they were throwing around. So then John, um, in fact, I think I could show you. 
this is the page proof for volume four that I'm working on. It's going to the printer and I had all the back issues, the original back issues out to, you know, to check up each page, make sure I had everything. And I could swear I saw the very first issue. That's what I get for being organized. <laughs> <laughs> I filed it away. But anyway, the first, you know, in the very first issue, they, you know, we were talking about, you know, what, what, what do we mean when we say um, de-schooling? And I, I think we should use the word unschooling, by which he only meant learning that doesn't have to take place in school or look like learning in school. Right. <laughs> That's it, unschooling, you know? And a lot of people, in fact, I, I, I'm pretty sure John John got it from the commercial for 7-Up uh, that was so popular back in the, in the 70s. I mean, we got to remember, GWS, the first issue came out in 1977. Right. Now, this, is, this goes back. So around you know, the mid-70s, there's a popular uh, commercial for 7-Up, uh, and they called it the Uncola because <laughs> it was pure and clear and, you know, didn't have additives. And so, you know, I think John, John was picking up on that, you know, with unschooling. But even he, by the end, when he wrote Teach Your Own in 1981, just four years later, when you look in the index, which he supervised, you know, it was his book. I had nothing to do with the first edition of, of Teach Your Own. <laughs> And in it, he said, you look it up, it says unschooling in the index. It just says, see homeschooling. Yeah. <laughs> he wasn't trying to make this big division and, yeah. you know, between homeschoolers and school at homers. And, uh, you know, it was just like unschooling, you know, it, it, you just, you know, because you know, if you, we want to get into this, we can, you know, but his experience as a teacher, you know, let him realize that. You know, I teach, but they don't learn. So mm -hmm. what's what's going on? And as he described in his first book, it was a charade of learning. And so he yeah. went, how do we get genuine learning between adults and children? And he realized it's because it's we got to let the children play. you got to yeah. let the children have a, a say in the matter in, in order for them to develop an interest that would then drive them to be disciplined enough to sit down and have a lesson from you on something, you know, it's yeah. not, you just can't say, okay, sit down. I mean, we do that, but we know how ineffective it is. Right. You know, and also, you know, it, it's, it's like that, that, um, oh, what's the, you know, there's no buy-in from the student, you know, mm, and, and that yeah. happens all the time in school, you know, what do I have to do to get an A? <laughs> you, yes. know? <laughs> you know? Yes. Everything that I've read, I mean, it was interesting because recently my sons who have, you know, done homeschooling math all of these years are like, they're, they're pushing back on the math because they say, listen, what we're learning in these math books, I, 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 I'm not using it in real life. When am I going to use it in real life? It's one of those like cliche yeah. questions, right? About math. Right. And I'm like, but we do use it, but he was just seeing it as a waste of time, mostly my oldest. And it, this summer, um, I read how children fail. Ah. And so much of this book is about teaching math and how mm -hmm. it was oh, yeah. so, so interesting. He talked about the Cuisinart rods. I don't know if I'm saying that right, but yeah. just how he's like, I would put these numbers on the board and it was so clear as day what the answer should be. And these kids should have gotten it, but because they were in school and they had this brain of like they just couldn't think logically and they would just shout out these answers because they didn't yeah. want to be wrong or they didn't want to, they just weren't really thinking of, they weren't connecting it to real life also, you know? Right. And it was so, so interesting to read this recently. I was like, so what's the answer? I mean, I don't want to waste my kids time, but at right. the same time I am thinking about the future and how mm -hmm. I'm like, if they, if they do want to go to college, I don't know if they want to or not, but I want to have them have that option. And so mm -hmm. I can't just not 
teach them these things, you know, Mm -hmm. but I'm just at a quandary right now because I'm like, I don't know what to do with them that don't, they just don't see math, especially Mm -hmm. our workbook math as something that they want to learn. And then I've got my daughters who, you know, my seven-year-old is only in, you know, second grade. And Mm -hmm. so she just is so excited to learn. She loves it. And, you know, she doesn't see us sitting down and working as a chore like my boys do. You know, of course, my four-year-old is just like, you're doing all this fun stuff with the big kids. I want to do it too. So they are so excited to learn. And I have these older boys that are like, we don't want you to sit down and make us do these problems. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? And so that's Mm -hmm. why I've just been like, well, what do I do? What does it look like Mm -hmm. to unschool math? And honestly, some of the questions that I have from people, a lot of them have to do with unschooling math. So what Uh would you say to that? Well, I mean, that is a big issue, (laughs) a specific (laughs) question, (laughs) but, um, all right. Well, well, first of all, you know, the, idea. let let me just, just, just take a step back. And this is something I wrote, I wrote in in the the latest version of teacher own and people who've heard me speak, you know, because, you know, I've I've lived this. All right. Yeah. I'm not a math guy. (laughs) You know, I'm not. I mean, I learned you know, I, I learned to like math when I started working at Holt Associates and I learned double entry bookkeeping. Okay. You know, something real. That's where negative numbers. I mean, I had an abstract, but the credits and debits finally made sense to me when I was mm-hmm. keeping books. And so family finances, I can't recommend that enough, you know, to, to involve your kids and, and get them their own accounts you know, and, and savings and you know, let them, you know, certainly work with money in any entrepreneurship. And if they want to do a lemonade stand, let them, (laughs) or whatever, you know, Um, you know, just anything, you know, and it doesn't have to be for for profit making. You know, I, I, there was a story during the pandemic, and I think I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure I put this in in the revised teacher own. I think it was a seven-year-old boy in Texas. He had, you know, he had the idea that um, uh, shower caps, I'm trying to remember, there was a shortage of something mm-hmm. that, and, and um, you know, because it was the early days of the pandemic. And so he went, he decided to organize, uh, you know, going, because he realized hotels always had spare shower caps. I forget what the shower caps were for those, aren't <laughs> but it's, it's in the book, if you want to read it. And, and, and he was able to go out there. And so he had to inventory and count and make sure that he had all these things and keep all, all the orders together mm-hmm. and they would be donating these to various organizations that would use them you know he was seven years old but he mm-hmm. had a reason right yes so you know when you have a reason to understand the i mean i, I think everyone gets basic adding and subtraction right mm-hmm. that's you know you're, you're playing games monopoly you'll learn a lot that way that's another another way by the way you know there are more advanced games you know with math yes. Too, you know, and they don't have to be computer games, you know, <laughs> they could be board games or they just be dice or card games, you know, but yeah. they're numbers and you're using numbers to accomplish something, and that's that's important. But my daughter Lauren, um, my, my wife is really good at math. In fact, she she teaches math. You know? Oh wow. <laughs> just special needs kids now in school, but she you know, that's what she was doing, you know, when we were in school, you know, that was one of her things she'd help people with. Mm-hmm. So Lauren decided. Um, you know, and, and when we talk, you know, when we're talking about college, we, one of the great advantages of, of homeschooling is you get to use community colleges, mm-hmm. you know, um, you, you know, and so when she was uh, 16, uh, we enrolled her in Bunker Hill Community College, which isn't far from our house. And um, she wanted to, she took a psychology intro to psych course, and she loved it. 
And so then she took the second one and she loved it. And then she took a course that was taught by uh, a detective on the Boston Police Department about, um, oh God, what's a juvenile delinquency, you know? Um, and she thought that was fascinating, right? Mm -hmm. So then she, she uh, and, and so psychology was one thing, but this is, so then she's going to be a, a law enforcement per person. And th th this detective was great with the class. He set people up who really wanted to do it because he had, he had his connections. So you could go for a ride for an hour with, you know, I could set it up so you could actually see what a cop does for an hour, a police person. So she actually got a female police officer and she sat with her in the car and just, you know, listened to her talk over the radio and with different people. And when it was over, when she came home that day, I said, Lauren, so what'd you think? And she was kind of like really thoughtful. And she said, I don't know if I want to be a police officer anymore. And I said, why? And she said, well, you know, they were talking about, like, when there was this break, they were talking about this domestic dispute that uh, they had broken up the day before and how violent it had gotten. And the whole time they were doing that, they were just smoking cigarettes and drinking coffee. And, you know, <laughs> like, like and she says, I don't know if I want to get that that jaded about mm. domestic violence. You know, I mean, that you, you have to get used to those sorts of things, Dad, and I don't know if I want to get used to that. So then she thought and said, well, maybe I should be a psychiatrist working with juvenile delinquents. So then she got really involved in another psychology course and then she hit the wall. She couldn't take mm -hmm. any more psychology courses unless she um, understood statistics oh. and she never done anything. So she told the head of the psychology department and she said, look, we're a community college. You know, we have a, a course called Fundamentals of Mathematics. It's a six month course. And you take that, if you pass that, you can come into, you know, the, the beginning intro, the psychology 101 class, and you could start. And, and um, long story short, she was in the same class. She was 16 years old with kids who had graduated high school, with adults who, had, who were like in their 20s, who were going to community college for the first time. All of them didn't know any of the fundamentals of math, right? Wow. Lauren had the fun, some of the fundamentals, but she didn't know statistics and curve, curves and stuff like that. So, but she got it. So in mm -hmm. six months, six months, your local community college will teach you everything you need to know about math that takes 12 years. And then, you know, and that's another problem that John always point out. Why do we you know, work, things called Parkinson's law. It's a, an economics phrase. And it's like work expands to fill the allotted time. Mm -hmm. So if you have 12 years to teach math, you're going to fill up all the years of math, you know? Right. But it's like, you don't need all that. And to think that, you know, in six, so in six months, she did it. Yeah, she got it. And then there's the other advantage. I mean, this is Massachusetts. And not every state has this. But here we have a law. If you graduate with a certain GPA from a community college, you can then transfer into a state college as a junior. So <laughs> Lauren started UMass Amherst as a junior, and she was only 18 years old. Wow. <laughs> And we saved two years of tuition too. <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah. And this was for someone who hated math. And then she went on to become a social worker. She got mm -hmm. her um, um, master's in social work or MSW. And um, she worked in Houston and in Boston. And after about five or six years of that, she couldn't take it. She said, mm -hmm. you know, because she, she, she rose through the ranks and became an administrator. And she said, 
she just couldn't handle the the stress and and, and and the injustices that you felt were being dealt to a lot of the foster children and, 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 and parents and the families in general. It was just like, it was just a horrible system to be, to be part of. And, you know, mm-hmm. she was really burnt out. But the thing that, got, that kept her going through all this was yoga. She got into yoga when she was down in Houston as a, as a way to relax and de-stress. Now she's a successful yoga teacher. She has her own studio and it's been wow. around seven years now. So, you know, yeah, we don't know the courses of our lives. We all yeah. think, oh, you study psychiatry, you're going to become a psychiatrist. You do that right. till you die. You know? yep. It's like, no, that's not really the way life works. You know, um, that's the way yeah. school wants us to, you know, and, and most people want their lives to go. But unfortunately, we're not in control of that. You know? It's and- true. It's so true. Because I, I went to school, I knew for years that I wanted to be a school teacher, even though I did not enjoy school myself. I think what made me want to be a school teacher is that I just loved working with kids from a really young age. And I had incredible teachers in school that I wanted to be just like for other kids. Like they were so, mm-hmm. I could just tell that they cared about me. I could yeah. tell that they wanted everybody to be successful. They loved what they did. They loved what they taught. And even though me, who was just a middle of the road kind of learner, they were so supportive of me and never made me feel like I was never going to succeed or anything like that. And I was like, that's the type of person that I want to be for younger people. I want to be that light in their lives. And so I thought I was going to be teacher and got my degree. And and then I never went and was a classroom teacher. I just, I graduated, started having children. And I was like, actually, I really want to be here for my kids. I feel like they're only babies once. And like, I don't want to, being a school teacher is so taxing and it takes up so much of your life. And, and I just want to do it later. I want to just wait until my kids are in school and then I'll, then I'll be a teacher. And by the time my oldest was ready to start preschool, I was like, I really love our lifestyle. I love being with him all the time and seeing how he's learning and growing. And I just don't want to miss out on that. And I was like, maybe I could just stay home until he goes to kindergarten. But by then I had a second kid. And I was like, if I go to be a school teacher, probably my whole salary will go to, you know, daycare or, or childcare. And, and I'm like, what's really the point? I could just be home with them. And I already had the mindset of, I can be with my kids and they can learn and grow. You know, I can do everything with them by reading them books, taking them lots of places, you know, being with our friends and just, you know, showing them the outside world before I had even read anything about John Holt talking about (laughs) living, just learning through life. I already had that mindset. And so that just, here we are 12 years later, still going strong with our homeschooling, but you know, I'm a constant learner with all of this, just learning like how sometimes I need to de-school myself as well, just to be like, why do I think I have to make it this way? You know, and like, right. and I'm I'm stressed if if we're not continuing to move forward with curriculum when really I can look at how much they're learning through the real through the real world and knowing that it's gonna be okay. Right. Um, so anyway, but I love what you said about how, you know your daughter thought she was going to go on one path and she was able to just quickly succeed through community college and then, you know, went on and found her own path. But I think that, do you feel like your kids have that mindset of, I can do whatever I need to do to to forge my own path, you know, instead of having the mindset of, if I don't learn this in school, I'm not gonna, you know, I just can't, I can't figure it out on my own. And yeah, in their own path, includes other people 
I mean, a lot of people think like, oh, you're the, the Marlboro man or the Marlboro woman. <laughs> you know? It's like, no, you know, all my daughters, like they figured stuff out, you know, um, by, by trying other things. Like, you mm -hmm. know, Lauren, I mean, none of us did yoga up here. <laughs> she just you know, found it on her own down there, you know, mm -hmm. and, and, you know, it, it worked out great, you know? And, and so, yeah, having that, um, that openness to experience. I think that's one of the great things that, that you know, unschooling um, allows and, and homeschooling can too, if parents have the right attitude, mm -hmm. you know, of, of, you know, building the self-confidence in a child that, you know, so that they don't think that they're stupid. You know, mm -hmm. that's, that, you know, that is one of the things that, in fact, it, it was in the, you know, the, the it, I, this is so fresh in my mind because I'm going to be sending it to the printer another day or two, you know, I yeah. just I spent the morning with the proofreader and going over, over stuff. But one of the stories, I mean, these, these issues are, are what John wrote the, the last two years of his life turned out. We didn't know that at the time, you know, so uh, it, it's a very bittersweet experience for me going through them at this stage of my life, you know, and, and revisiting all that. Mm -hmm. But you know, one of the, the things that, that just leapt out at me, and I posted it on Facebook a couple of, just on Friday, I think, was uh, this article called Feeling Stupid. And there were two letters, you know, that there, and then John's response to them at the, at the bottom. And um, it was just, I, I just never, I, I, it's like I never read it before, you know, it was, it was like, like all, all fresh. And it was just, you know, and he makes the point that, you know, it's not that, that they're treated like they're, you know, it, it's not like, parents are deliberately treating the children to make them feel stupid. Mm -hmm. It's because the way we set the, the, the relationship up, you know, in, in, in families and in schools is it's automatic that the kids know, you know, more than they do. Mm -hmm. You know, that's it. But as John points out, kids also know they're good at learning because they're figuring stuff out on their own. They learn to walk and talk and figure, identify colors and all that other stuff. And then, of course, you give them help and support and you're, you're a part of it, right? right? But but they're the driver. They're the driver. And then all of a sudden, it starts to change. And they do feel stupid because, oh, that's not how you say that. That's not how you write that. That's not how you do that. Mm -hmm. you know? And one of the things that um, surprised me. It, it, one of the tributes, and so I, I don't know, that was like issue 46, like let's say, and John dies, I think it's issue 47, 48, you know, and then there was a tribute issue, and this tribute issue, this uh, friend of his wrote, one of the things that she always noticed, her name is Lila Berg, a British um, a children's book writer, mm. and one of the things that she noticed right away about John was whenever he talked with a kid and, and, and he had to correct them in some way to prevent them from doing something that might be, was it wasn't going to harm them or, or harm them, the project, he, you know, he just he would let them figure it out and, and let's, let me help them when they ask. Mm -hmm. you know, he would, when he jumped in, he would say, we don't do it that way. Mm. He didn't, you know, it was like, you're doing it wrong. That's yeah. not how you do it. You know, oh, because all those things imply that you're dumb <laughs> you know, or can easily be taken that way. And a sensitive child in particular will take it that way. You right. Know? So, you know, like I said, join the club. We don't do it that way. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, I, and I, I was like, gosh, that, I wish I hadn't remembered that when my kids were young. Yes. So it's a little phrase I'm going to be using in the future moving forward, you know? Yes. But yeah, I mean, you know, there's, there's a, a, a lot there that, you know, we forget that, um, that children are, 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 are part of our existence. Yeah. But they're not, you know, ex extensions of us. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they're individuals, yeah. you know, and, you know, to treat them, you know, with kindness and support is, 
is really like the the basics that that you need to be successful as a homeschooler and an unschooler. Yeah. I love what he said. One of the things I highlight so much in his books, but one (laughs) of them was just saying everything that I say can be summed up in these few words, trust children. And to Mm -hmm. do that, you have to trust yourself, which is hard because we were taught not to trust ourselves when we were younger, you know? And I think that that is so hard for people. And I think that so many people that comment on my channel, on me, my videos, they, they just can't see past, but wait, this is how we do things. Like you don't know things until someone teaches them to you, you know, and you probably don't learn it or do it well or right unless someone who is an expert will teach it to you, you know, and, Mm -hmm. and how in the world can we just learn naturally, you know? And, and so just to be able to realize that like these kids were already born with the brains in their heads that are programmed to learn by observation and Mm -hmm. by doing things, you know, Mm -hmm. they figure it out there. They have eyes to see how we speak and how we talk and how we treat each other and how we Mm -hmm. take care of ourselves and take care of our houses. And, and they learn all those things naturally. And then our, our, our brains shifts when they go to school, all of a sudden they don't know anything and they have to be taught by somebody, you know? And Mm -hmm. so to, to -hmm. make that switch, to be like, if we just give them the right resources, if we just give them the best experiences Mm -hmm. and just have that, like you said, that mindset of like, they can learn anything that we put in front of them, you know, and having that, having your home shaped in a way that, that is open to all kinds of learning, like having the right resource books, you know, or letting them watch the right videos that will explain things to them, uh, you know, that kind of thing. And then if they have questions, my kids are big questioners. Uh, They have so many questions. And I'm like, just being able to answer those questions or saying that I don't know, because a lot of times I don't know their their, Mm -hmm. their answers to those questions, but just knowing that they want to learn things. That's not something that we have to force them to want to do. They already want to learn. Right. right. I don't know is a great opportunity for you to show them how you know, how yeah. you learn to know. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, nowadays it would always be using a computer, but in the past we would be, oh, let, let's call up so and so. They know something about, you know, fractions, or let's go to the library and ask the librarian if there's a good book about such and such, you know? Yes. And, and all those things are still valid, but I mean, in a way, we're blessed with, with Google in the sense that, you know, <laughs> You're going to ask the Oracle anything. <laughs> yes. We do a lot of Hey Siri around here. And ask them yeah, questions. right? <laughs> I know. Yeah. Well, why don't we take a quick break and then we will come back and, and keep going with this. Yeah. Sounds good. I hope you're getting so much value out of this video. I would love it if you would comment below with things that you have learned from this conversation because I know that I learned so much. And also, if you are getting value out of this, please go ahead and make sure to hit that like. All right, let's get back to the interview. (laughs) Wow. So you can see, you can see like four columns of teeny tiny type and this is the the next two and this is it that was the whole issue yeah <laughs> and this got everything started yes <laughs> it, that is incredible it, it just came pouring in and it's funny then i saw here in issue two you know which has twice as many pages eight <laughs> <laughs> there's this article here called unschooling and the law and at the beginning john says GWS will say unschooling when we mean taking children out of school and de-schooling when we mean changing the laws to make schools non-compulsory. Oh. 
so you know, and even he, had, I mean, it's just too clumsy. It's too many, you know, in homeschooling, like people understood exactly what that meant. Yeah, mm-hmm. unschooling, de-schooling. And then we start splitting hairs and saying we're going to say it this way for this and that way for that. You know, so yeah, homeschooling is you know the general phrase. <laughs> that, that well, I love with. that you made that distinction because a lot of people recently on my videos will be like. Now, wait, how do I know that I'm truly unschooling? And like, why, why do you say that you're homeschooling and then you're going to switch to unschooling? What does that mean? And so I think that you're right, that it's like, it's all kind of the same thing, but it's like, not all homeschoolers are unschoolers, I don't believe. But then you, right. you do, you do things a lot differently. Like a lot of people can do the school at home thing where they, you know, they have their schedule and they choose, you know, allotted times for different subjects. And like, you know, Mm -hmm. just they plan it that way. There are some people that do that, but a lot of the ones that I know are way more fluid. Like I am that like, we just kind of have a routine and a rhythm. We don't have a schedule. Um, we do a lot of, I try to combine my kids a lot for subjects instead of, I don't separate them out except for math and reading, which are more, you know, ability-based. And instead of, you know, when we do science, we're all doing science together or like history, Mm -hmm. we do, we do history together. And then also realizing that like, the curriculum part is really just half of our homeschool. You know, the rest of it is, you know, all of my kids' interests and and all the books that they're reading and all the experiences that they're having mm-hmm. and the field trips that we take. And, and that's because that's more of the learning through life than the curriculum is. So right. anyway, but yeah, I do think that a lot of people want to be like, what is the exact definition? And I want to make sure that I'm doing it exactly right when really and, that's and, not the most important. Yeah. And after John died, that, that became, that became very, you know, especially in the nineties on CompuServe and AOL and all that stuff. People are always arguing what is unschooling, you know, but I mean, it does mean, I mean, very seriously, if you, you know, not using a curriculum, you know, using mm-hmm. your, you know, letting your child learn through the world. And of course, if that involves like my daughter wanting to learn psychology, Mm-hmm. Well, sure. You know, I mean, the, the issue is balance. You know, there's way too much schooling in our children's lives. And mm-hmm. schooling is they've taken away recess, art, physical education, you know, and just turned it into like a hothouse of let, let's make the kids pass these tests or, right. you know, and we are, and then it's also tied in that their, their self, their own self-interest for their jobs. It's so unfair. Mm-hmm. The whole the, the whole institutional system, you know, um, you know, but it doesn't mean we need to t- tear it down, but we, it need, we need balance. And I think that's yeah. one of the things that homeschoolers, but unschoolers in particular, because they're using it the least and showing <laughs> us how little you actually need. Like, you know, you want to learn Spanish. There are other ways to learn Spanish besides going into a, a Spanish class. Yeah. But you might want to, you know, particularly if you're a, a homeschooler or an unschooler living in an area without a lot of people. So that right. could be a great way to make friends and stuff. So, yeah, you know, but it's balance. It's like you don't need five years of pre-Spanish and then you know, for main Spanish and then advanced Spanish. You know? Yes. You know, maybe at some point when you hit college or, you know, you know, some certain level of becoming a translator or something. But, you know. For we we overeducate, just like we overcommunicate. My gosh, you know, I mean, ever since you know the internet came on, Illich pointed that out almost immediately in the, in the late eighties. You know, it's like this yeah. is going to lead to a terrible amount of of overcommunication, and and because uh, his exact words were, it, it gave too powerful a, a, a megaphone to an individual. And now we see, yeah, we're seeing it. And that was like 1986 or 87 when he wrote that, you know? Wow. Yeah. 
So, you know, they're, they're, I, I, I'm, I'm kind of losing my train of thought there. I don't want to, because I don't want to go down the illich path, but I thought it was an interesting comment to hit. But yeah, um, you know, to, but to, to get back into the, the college thing, uh, mm-hmm. you know, because if, you know, I think a lot of people's fear about the curriculum is if I don't have all these boxes checked off. Yeah. You know, then when they, you know, when I send the transcript in or pay somebody to make a transcript, there's going to be all these gaps in their knowledge and the college is going to say, nah, sorry. You yes. Know? Well, the fact is, there's a college for everyone. <laughs> you know, there's, if you, if you really want to go, you, someone will take their money and give you a degree eventually. You'll find, you'll find the match. Or if like, you, you know, you're, you, you've got a special field or something like mm-hmm. film, like, you know, there, there are too many places where you could study that, but there are some and you can, but you know, film like acting in general um, or writing, those tend to be fields that you don't need teachers for necessarily because the work you do becomes your teacher, you know, yes. and you're working with others, directors and editors and fellow writers, you know, so you get that, that feedback and stuff, you know, and in school, that's one of the things that I think is, is really, is really missing is that, that sense of camaraderie that, that comes when, except, except when you're on, on like a football or a sports team, or when you're doing theater or speech and debate, you know, mm-hmm. the clubs, and that's why you teach your own. I'm like, that was one of the models. Like, you know, people say, well, if we don't have schools, what else is there? It's like, well, you got camp, summer camps are a great example. Libraries are a classic example. John Holt used them a lot. John Gatto talked about them. Yes. Recently, um, you know, but, and then, um, uh, what is it? Clubs, camps, and libraries. So three yeah. examples right there that we know children choose to use and will go in and out of. It's not yep. like, you know, you are compelled to be here for 175 days a year. Sit and listen. Right. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah so, there's you know, so much, there's so much opportunity for just real socialization where the kids do want to be there because of the activities that they want to be a part of. Yes. I love yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. And what's interesting is um, Peter Gray, uh, you know, he, he, Dr. Peter Gray wrote the book, uh, Free to Learn. Yeah. And he's done a lot of research on uh, alternative schools and unschoolers in particular. Mm-hmm. And so <clears throat> one of his recent experiments, um, projects, it, it's is with a public school system in New Hampshire. And uh, um, what, what he proposes, why don't we let the kids know that they can arrive at school to use the playground for an hour. But the only time that they could arrange was like seven or it was early in the morning, like seven, mm-hmm. 7.30 in the morning. And, you know, of course, of the way the school schedule is and they couldn't get any accommodations otherwise. So Peter said, all right, well, let's see what happens, right? Mm-hmm. Well, the study is showing, he says, that these kids not only come there, but more keep coming as the word spreads. And the kids, because the kids want to be there. And then yep. what the teachers are finding after they've had an hour of play in the morning and they start school at 8.30, things are a little better. Yeah. <laughs> you know? But, you know, but we, we don't, you know, we've been treating children like, like this, like they're just receptacles of our knowledge, you know, exactly. and that's, you know, and it's like, no, they're, you know, they're individuals and they're not, and they're not adults, they're not fully formed adults, you know, you know so let them be kids, yep. <laughs> you know, like you said, your children are only going to be young once, so right. why, you know, let me be around them while they're young. Yes. You know? So, you know, if you're, you know, and I know that there are teachers that, that feel that way. And it's clearly the ones in New Hampshire or, or you know, so there, 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 there's pockets of hope and stuff, but, you know, it's still, and, and, you know, the computer has made it even more. I mean, we saw what happened with remote learning. Right. You know, it was 
I mean, and, and I remember way back when, when my daughter Lauren, when she was struggling with math before we settled at community college, we signed her up for the Princeton Review. And back mm-hmm. in the late 90s, that, you know, I could imagine, I mean, if it was bad, if it's hard and tough now to use a computer, you know, with Zoom and all that stuff, back then yeah. none of this existed. She hated that program, even though, <laughs> like, it came so highly recommended to us, our friends loved it, and we felt like traitors when we said, okay, you can quit. <laughs> you know, it's definitely not working for you, and we're tired of hearing just how, how bad it is. You know? And we, yeah. we, we saw, you know, but again, like, for a certain type of child or personality, that could be the perfect thing. I know like introverts, they, they, they prefer doing stuff online at their self-paced without having someone nearby. You know? Right. Yeah, I definitely think it depends on the kid too. It definitely, yeah. it's, it's giving them that personalized education is really what it's all about. Finding mm-hmm. what works for each individual person. Yes. So yeah. I have all these questions that I pulled and kind of, because a lot of people had kind of the same questions. And so I put them into a couple of different categories. And so we can just talk about each category um, real quick, because a lot of them had specific logistical questions, you know, not just the overarching, like, what does this mean? And why are we doing it? They were like, but wait. So the first category was documentation and records, which I know that you've talked about in Teach Your Own as well. And that was mm-hmm. so helpful, but just specific, like people said, I wonder how we would document for evaluation. Um, I, I want to know how to keep records or show child improvement while unschooling for the end of the year annual evaluation. Somebody mm-hmm. else said, how do you record progress? And someone else says, how do you determine credit? for student work if you're unschooling? Uh, How do you keep track of things? And somebody else said, if you have no grades or check marks, do we just prepare our child to have a GED? Whatever whatever they want to do? Like what, if you don't have grades, you know? So I kind of know the answers to these questions, but like I said, I haven't lived it, haven't experienced it. I would love to hear what you have to say about those types of things. We threw a lot of questions out there that were specific. So give, give me one and then I'll answer quickly, I hope, and we'll go to the next. All right? all right. Well, so the first one was how do you document for evaluation? So there's a lot of people out there that have those those state laws that are like you have to have that yeah. portfolio and you have to show your work to the schools. And so how would they document things if they're not specifically using curriculum and letting kids okay. learn on their own? Now, K through eight is, is different documentation than what you need for high school. All right. Okay. So We'll just, they're related, you know, but um, so just remember, I'm just on K through eight here. Mm -hmm. So for K through eight, what you want to show is progress over time, you know, and that's what the portfolio is for. You know, you, you, it's probably a wise idea to say most of the material, the, the, what you would consider the best or something that like was, was poor, but now, you know, you know, you know, that, that, you know, you want to use that as like a, a milestone and say, let's see if we could do better. And, and so you save these documents, right? But you're not going to present them all to the school at the end of the year as a portfolio. Therefore mm-hmm. your use, you know, and then, you know, once, you know, you, you get it like either, I know some people, but we'll talk about after the fact curriculum in, in a minute too. That's very important for unschooling. Yeah. But, um, so you put your, your, your papers in the folder. And then um, I recommend if you could just jot down something on the back of it, like you would on a photograph, like, oh, this is, this is me and mom at, at the lake, you know, something like that, night and the date. You know, mm-hmm. dates, are, you know, dates are important because they want to see progress over time again. Right? Okay. So, you know, you, you have all that. And then, um, you know, so that, that's, your, that's your work samples. And then I would suggest if you can, 
write one sentence, if you're a writer, one sentence a day about what each child is doing in your home is more than enough. Because by the end of the year, you're going to have like a novella for each child. You know, I mean, that's, you know, five days per child, you know, five sentences minimum a week. Mm -hmm. It's going to, and you know, you're going to write more than one sentence. (laughs) That's just the way it is. But so that, that's, that's a good way, you know, but then you match that up with, you know, the portfolio. So you say, here's an example of, you know, the artwork that my child started doing and you can see just stick figures and stuff. But then, you know, by the end of the year, you know, she, she was, you know, looking at these courses, I mean, these paintings and she was inspired and she's learned, you know, to do this technique through such and such a program or just taught herself. I mean, that's the legitimate thing was they could see the evidence, you know? Um, And so, and then the same thing, like with math, um, although math is is good in this sense, you could also do real math. Like you don't have to just say like, oh my, you know, my, here's a sheet of fractions. Mm-hmm. You could say here, and, and perhaps you could even have photos or, or videos. You know, uh, here's an example of my daughter making uh, a Thanksgiving dinner with me. You know? mm-hmm. And she, we, we had to get these portions and she's using the measuring cup and she's mixing all the ingredients and she's getting everything and, you know, proof is in the pudding it was a delicious meal yeah. all that stuff she knows she knows her fractions you know mm-hmm. there there's evidence of that right there um you know same thing like like if your your children into uh cars or um uh, what, what what are those um the, the maker projects the maker space things you know yes that little plant those pla- well you, you got to be careful like to get the right lengths you've got to get you know then, then you bend them and you, you got to create your things you know you have to use measurements mm-hmm. and the machines have those you, know, you have to know how to use, enter it and, and, and make it work yeah. you know and i've seen our, our public library has a maker space in it now and yeah. i've seen kids as young as 10 doing that successfully you know mm-hmm. but you know and and, uh, and and another example is School math is not the same as real life math. This is John Holt wrote about this uh, friend of his, Jim Herndon. And he wrote And Herndon was a famous writer of the 60s. He was a public school teacher in San Francisco. He wrote mm-hmm. a book called How to Survive, two books, um, How to Survive in Your Native Land. And I forget uh, the name of the other one. But um, in, in, in one of those books, he describes a student who couldn't do math at the blackboard. Mm-hmm. And, he, and he felt, and, and Jim was a very, uh, progressive teacher. He didn't believe in embarrassing the students or anything, but he just couldn't figure out. He said, I just know that, that, that he understands this stuff, you know, but you know, he just can't make, make it happen on the, on the blackboard. And, and so he's failing math. Mm-hmm. So Jim is on the, the, the teacher's uh, um, bowling team and they go to a, a to a, a, a meet at one of these bowling alleys and that boy was keeping score for the bowling alley for all the teams and you couldn't believe it yeah Yeah. so so just going you know when you're under pressure when you're someone's demanding a performance from you Mm -hmm. yeah some some of us that's that's not a problem you know yeah i'll figure that out and you you do it other people just like who are you to tell me oh yeah it just becomes a, a battle of wills almost and also like when you're standing in front of a classroom, there's that embarrassing thing, that fear factor too. Definitely. You know? You know? But here, yeah, here's this guy in, you know, in, in a bowling alley with all these adults and he's keeping score <laughs> successfully. And yeah. that's what you realize, you know, Jim Herndon, you know, and he write, as he writes in the book that, you know, math is, you know, math is not just learned in the classroom. Yes. <laughs> you know? 
But, you know, you would never guess that from that kid's experience because in school he failed, but in life he could do math. Yes. So, you know, having evidence like that, like, you know, and and then the other thing is don't use, I mean, if if you're homeschooling and particularly if you're unschooling, because a big difference is when I say homeschooling, it's usually you're buying a curriculum or you're using an existing curriculum. You're following the tracks that have been put in place. Mm -hmm. That's fine. You know, and unschoolers always, you know, you want to go back. I mean, look, it's a lot easier for my daughter to take a psychology course <laughs> at a local community college than for me to find a private tutor for us to learn. So, you know, I mean, it's crazy. Right. No, school makes sense. But th- this goes back to my earlier point. It's a balance. You know, mm-hmm. when I when my children or I want and need school, then we choose it. You know, but, you know, because of the way a lot of school is set up, it's just like, oh, no, you know, you're you're you're. you're you're, you're out of here. You you aged out, you know, but yeah. I know a lot of 20 and 30 year olds would probably be, you know, make the cl- a classroom a very interesting place because of their, in- you know, their, their personal experiences and stories they could share, but who would yeah. also like to, to learn to read, write, learn a foreign language, do something, but you know, they're kept out of that, you know, and, and, and it, it's interesting. I, I get why adults and children don't mix in the, in, in a public school classroom, you know, um, it, 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 I, I understand, you know, the, the social the social issues there. But mm-hmm. what we've learned as homeschoolers and unschoolers is that multi-ages really do help the flow of communication and the flow of information go. You know? yeah. and, and, you know, children learn a lot through conversation. You know, in fact, yes. some of this, there, there's there's some books out there. I've got them on, my, on the whole website. Some of them, I'm sure there are more. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, I think it's called um, talking talking through science and yeah. talking or, or conversations with science. And then there was dialogues with children, and that was fascinating. That was when we used to sell at Holt Associates in the '90s. That was about teaching philosophy, like you know, logic and stuff to children through conversation. Yeah. And Gareth Matthews is the author of that book. And, you know, so people forget that, like, it's not just instruction, yep. you know, and then, and then like my, the example of my, my daughter with, with uh, the community college, when the need arises, then the will to learn emerges. <laughs> you know? Yes. You can't for- I mean, you can force it, but it's going to be a horrible experience for you and the child. Right. I and, agree. Yes. And will the child remember it after the test? Exactly. Yes. I thought we all forget just because we passed the SAT and got into a, in college. Does that mean I remember it? I think there was a study and it said like something like 80% of adults would never go back to take the SAT. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, it's done. I don't want to do that again. <laughs> right. Yes. Well, I think it's interesting. I read something recently that was saying that they were going to do away with the SAT or not that they were going to do away with it, but Colleges were not going to yes. have that be mandatory for enrollment. Is that right? No, some are. I think Stanford was the first one to do away with that as a requirement, and, and other schools have made it optional. Okay. You know, um, but you know, I mean, it, 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 it can cut both ways. This, this is what I'm saying about the balancing. I mean, I'm not not a fan at all of, of you know standardized tests, mm-hmm. but some people don't do well in classrooms. Yeah. You know, and so their GPAs are low. But then mm-hmm. they test really highly on, you know, on, on those things. So, you know, give them a shot, but vice versa. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? yeah. so, some of us don't do well in standardized tests, but do very well in interpersonal situations in the classroom. Yes, you know? definitely. So, so it's that balance thing. But, you know, there, there's a very strong lack of balance, unfortunately, in education. Right. Well, let's let's go to 
Let's go to the section on uh, unschooling math because I had somebody that says, "I how do you unschool math?" And again, this is based on whatever she lo- thinks of it. You know, when she thinks of unschooling math, but she said, "You know, when your state says that they need algebra one, geometry, algebra two, you know, what do you do? Yeah. We don't really want to use a curriculum for math." This is what she's saying. But we're coming into pre-algebra this next school year, and we we like usable math. So how how would I keep math organized and and make sure that she does those things without curriculum? I guess is what she's saying. Well, there are a couple of ways, several ways to deal with that. First of all, it, it, I I need you know I'm assuming so I'm making an assumption here. Mm-hmm. This could be wrong, but I'm assuming that she's a, a, in a state that she does not have to, that that she could unschool in. So another and you can unschool in every state, but. Right. Um, but easily, like, 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 you know, New York state is, it can be tough because they require like quarterly evaluations and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and there are a lot of unschoolers in New York. They do it. They get through it, you know, and yeah. I'm happy to share, you know, to talk about that. But, you know, the, the main thing is, do they need, you know, are you teaching them algebra only because it's on that curriculum right now? Or is it something that they need to learn right now in order to, to continue with some project or thing or, or pursuit that they have. Right. You know, and, you know, cause you, you're the principal, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, this is, you're, you're technically a private school, you know, you're not a public charter. So right. yeah, it's suggested. So if you don't meet that algebra or pre-algebra requirement this year, mm-hmm. you will in your report say we will remediate it over mm-hmm. the summer and next year. And then um, if, you know, maybe if you go to 40, you say we use a private tutor or you get this class or you, you ha- have a book. You don't have, to, I mean, it's your schedule, you know, mm-hmm. not, you know, the schools, you know, got that run, run school run attitude, you know, I mean, you know, the semester just trugs along and we're seeing this like, you know, with, with, with uh, all of the so-called learning loss that, that that's, that's gone on, right. you know, and it's like, well, yeah, it's because you weren't teaching to the test for two years, yep. you know, <laughs> not because they're dumb. <laughs> <It's> like, exactly. <laughs> but, you know, that's, you know, yet, yet another story, but see, that that's the issue. I mean, if if you feel that you have to teach the the algebra and the mm-hmm. child doesn't want to, you, you you do have an out because it's your school. And, and unless you're that sort of school that you know the, the Dick and Dickensian sort of thing, no, you're going to learn this because I said so. Right. <laughs> you know? <Yeah>. Okay. <laughs> it's your family. You have the right to do that. You know, I'm not crazy. I'm, I don't think your kid might learn math that way or remember it when it's over. But right, you, know, you have the right to do that. You know. But um, yeah, I, I would not, you know, particularly for things like pre-algebra. And then like, you know, when you're in college, if you're going to go to college and you need mm-hmm. these requirements, then, the, you know, there's, you know, online programs, there's the, you know, uh, private tutors. And there, there's a lot of good textbooks at, at that level too. You know? yeah. um, I mean, we forget like, you know, and, and algebra isn't that hard and it's really not that vital. Yeah, (laughs) I mean, solving for right. I mean, we do it automatically if you're trying to figure out like how many people, how many courses to make of you know your appetizer for a party of twenty and stuff like that. Right. And so, if you explain to your child that this is algebra, you know, it might be a lot less fearful than saying, "Okay, now we're gonna," you know, because they're learning it in the flow of life, and 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 all makes sense to them. Like, how much do I need? How do I solve for x here? Although you would never you say that because that's 
that's putting algebra before the reality. Yes. <laughs> you, <know? laughs> you deal with the reality and say, so here's how we could write that out. Yeah, we did that all talking, right? Let's see how that would look on paper. Yeah. Well, you take them that way, you know? Um, mm -hmm. It doesn't always have to be follow the lesson plan and teach as we were taught. Yes. It does, you know, it does not have to be that way. Okay. Talking about graduation, somebody said, do children graduate high school unschooling math? This is, I think math just gets yeah. people. <laughs> oh yeah. Because most of us hate math because of school. Yes. You think it's the most difficult subject on earth, you know, and, and it <laughs> cracks, you know, and then, you know, meeting John Holt, like, you know, and, and my, you know, he just, he loved math. Mm -hmm. He loved puzzles, you know, but to, you know, to him, you know, it, it, it was no big deal, you know, because he enjoyed, I mean, he would read books about math, you know, 15, 60 years old, you know, that's, that was his interest. So, so fine. That's not my interest. <laughs> yeah, know? right. You know, but yeah, but, but I think because of, and this is the other thing, it's like, you don't need a lot of math to be a computer programmer. I've, I, I've learned, you know, I've learned that, you know, some people who study philosophy, make mm -hmm. great um, computer programmers because they understand logic at a deep level. You know, mm -hmm. and, so, and, you know, and, you know, and then there are like these hacker schools in New York and stuff that, you know, within six months or a year, not only will they graduate you, but they're working with companies to, to place you, wow. you know? So, you know, yeah, if that's what you want to do, you, you go directly to it. You know, yeah. you don't have to like do four years of pre of algebra and stuff. You know, right. That, that's, but if you do find like, oh, to program a such and such machine, you need your special skills in calculus. Mm -hmm. As I've said a couple of times now, the need is there. Right. <laughs> so hopefully the will will follow. You know? Definitely. It's because they're choosing it and they're like, this is the path I have to take. So I'm going to learn this for real instead of just the whole keeping it in the top front of my brain and then regurgitating it so I can get through it and then I forget it. <laughs> So yeah. yeah, when the need is there, I love that. Um, somebody else said, can they still get a high school diploma while unschooling? And I know the answer to this, but uh, go ahead and tell them because they'll believe you more than they believe me. <laughs> they can get a high school diploma, um, but you could also issue your own, mm -hmm. you know, uh, that's what, what we did, you know, and what many uh, unschoolers did. But, you know, there, there are schools, um, uh, the Clonlara School in Michigan. Uh -huh. um, they, they have a home study program and because they have a campus school that gives a Michigan State accredited diploma. You mm -hmm. will earn that if you go through their home-based program. You know, so there are, so you can get that, but you don't really need it. Right. You really don't need it. You know, well, you know, um, creating a good transcript mm -hmm. uh, of what you did during your high school years, you know, and especially getting um, experiences and references down. Like, if, you know, you, you worked or volunteered at certain organizations and, and, and did well. That, that's what will matter a lot more than the, the, the piece of sheepskin, you know, the diploma. Right. Let's talk about testing. You mentioned standardized yeah. tests before. Some people said they they would like to drop the majority of the book work, but she's nervous as to how they'll pass their end of the school state test. And likewise, other people are like, I want to do this. This sounds great, but I'm worried about those standardized tests at the end of the year. Like, what if they haven't learned anything or what if they, you know, because a lot of those standardized tests are in the schools, they are prepping them all year long oh, yeah. to take those tests. So if mm -hmm. people try to unschool and let their kids learn naturally, they're thinking, 
they're not going to be taught to that test. So how are they going to pass that test? So that's well, what people are worried about. Yeah. First of all, I wonder, I'm, I'm racking my brains. What state requires standardized tests of homeschoolers? In oh, grade okay. Grade? I cannot, you know, not, I mean, you can, yeah. I mean, if there's a question, you know, they may, you know, like you, you said, they're going to remediate math and then they, it didn't work. You know, uh -huh. they may say, well, let's give a test. And, and so we get a baseline and see where they're, they're at and stuff. And even there, they won't be able to stop you from homeschooling, but they may say that they want to see you see evidence that you've hired a teacher or got her enrolled in a class or something like that, that, that that's going to be a step beyond what you, you, you've remediated, you know, your, your initial effort was. But, you know, there, there's really, I, I can't, I mean, yeah, for grades K through eight. And then even, even in high school, like it's the, the end of, end of high school exam, you know, the, the uh, you know, if, if even that, you know, so I'm not, I'm not really sure. I'd like to know what, what specific tests that they're referring to, but, um, you know, I, I, but one thing I, I do know, and you're, and you said it, I'll just reiterate it. If you have to take a test, because some colleges do require it, you know, and some schools might require it. Like you may be an unschooler, but they still say in order to get into such and such a prep school, you've got to take this test. You know? mm -hmm. um, prep them for it. Like you said, that's what the schools do. That's right. what you should do. You know, absolutely. You know, um, fortunately, because we went the community college route, none of our daughters have wound up having to go through all that, you know, because they were just able okay. to transfer from the community college into the state college. Yeah, but, that's really um, interesting you know, that you're saying that. For some reason, when I've looked at the state laws, I thought that there were some states that when you were homeschooling, like you might have still been under like an umbrella school where a teacher will come and like, you know, look at your portfolio or approve your your curriculum for the year. And like they might still make you go take tests at the school but i guess i'm wrong in that i mean because i live in illinois not, yeah, so we don't I'm have not, any of that yeah I, and i was gonna say like i mean i'm not an expert in all 50 states so right. i wouldn't you know, i wouldn't doubt that there there would be but i'm not aware of okay. any of, of any state that you know in, in the k-8 level requires you to take standardized tests i know like i said new york state some states you have to hand in quarterly reports Okay. And in those evaluations, you, you supply like grades or written narratives. I mean, that's another thing. I mean, you know, alternative assessments, you know, you don't have to supply a grade. You can uh -huh. do written narratives. That's what we did with all our kids. And then if they wanted evidence, we had the portfolio, you know, to, wow. to, to show, you know, and, you know, but to be honest, no one's ever reviewed anything closely like that. They, you know. We, you know, all three of our daughters, you know, we just submitted it. And as far as I know, they just dropped it in a file. Yeah. Let me reverse that around and go back to the very, very beginning. We're talking about curriculum, right? Uh -huh. I, I remember the story. Um, there was a magazine. I think it's online now, but it was a very popular print magazine in the 80s called Mothering. And um, back in the 80s, I, like there were people who were very, you know, there were bold unschoolers. And then there were people who were like, well, I want to play it safe. Mm -hmm. And um uh, Mothering Magazine, the editor there, uh, Peggy, she uh, and her children uh, got the Calvert School uh, curriculum. Mm -hmm. And in those days, they would have to send in weekly sheets, you know, weekly work to them, you know. So what they did was they would sit down with the whole year's curriculum from Calvert and do everything in six weeks. 
get it all done. Peggy would file everything away in order of, uh, you know, of, of the dates that she had to mail them. And then, as she said, after those six weeks, we just got on with our life. And then I just mailed them all every week as they needed to go. <laughs> I love that. Wow. <laughs> Such a good example of how it's like, you don't need the whole year to learn these things. No, There's no you know. reason to stretch it out when they already get it. And it's, it's done, you know? Yeah. And I think that's a lot of the reason why my, my oldest was struggling with math was I was making him go through to it, go through it too slowly. I was like, but I have to make sure that you, and when I say slowly, it's like the worksheets there, they were like, do it for like three days, have them practice this new concept. Cause it was like a mastery based program, not a spiral. And they were, you know, it was like, if they get it after three days, you can move on. But if they don't do more practice sheets. And I still made him go too slow. And he was like, no, I have this. I don't want to keep. And I was like, but I have to make sure that you've mastered this. And I was just trying to be thorough. You know, mm -hmm. I was just the type of mom that I was like, but I got to make sure that you understand this. And mm -hmm. he just resented it because he was like, I've got this though. And this is boring. And it's just stretched out. And then I also think that a lot of the new lessons would just be building on the next one and he or the last one. Yeah. And he'd be like, but I already have this and I already have that. Why do we have to keep? So that's why I've just kind of stopped for now. And I'm like, I, you get, you get math, you understand numbers. You are not a dumb kid at all. It's, it's like, but I, but for me as the homeschool mom, I have to be like, I can't just stop like guiding you in math in some way, you know? And I don't know what it is about math, but I think that we, a lot of us are like, we're not going to learn it if it's not taught to us and if it's not right. taught in the right way. And, and, you know, the algebra and the al geometry, I'm like, I, in my adult life, I don't use it in the way that I was taught in school anymore. So I don't want to waste my kids time with that kind of stuff, but. Well, you know, one of the things that, that you reminded me of in, in saying that is like school ruins math for us and in this, and, and, you know, and makes us feel stupid. So going mm -hmm. back to the very beginning of our conversation, right? Yeah. What else makes you feel stupid? <laughs> math certainly does in school, but it, it, you know, and, and the other, the other point I wanted to make was, um, involving you know involving the child in it like you know when your son was saying um i get it and you're saying you're feeling the pressure that someone's going to come down on you mm -hmm. you know not you know he gets it and so right. that makes him feel you don't trust him which mm -hmm. you brought up earlier right and so you have that issue and the one that was stupid you know right and and you know I've, I've seen arrogant and, and been arrogant and I yeah, had, had my daughters and myself as a child, you know, be overconfident. Say, That's okay. That's how you learn that you are yeah. arrogant and overconfident. You fall on your face. <laughs> you know? <laughs> you know, don't, yeah. don't keep protecting your children that way. You know, and saying, we're going to get everything right. So you can get a hundred on that test. It's like, right. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of pressure on both of you that way. It's true. It really is. I'm learning a whole lot. I'm trying to change and adjust. It, it goes on forever. Yeah, yeah life. I guess so. I think that people just worry that once they get to high school, graduation, all of mm -hmm. that, that they might have missed things or they think that they're not preparing their kids mm -hmm. fully okay. for the rest I, of their lives. And I came prepared for this. So. <laughs> <laughs> So these are the books I recommend and, um, you know, the tools. The first one is the Teenage, Liber oh, this way. Teenage Liberation Handbook. This is yep. the new edition. This just came out this year. 
Uh, okay. Grace Llewellyn, uh, this is the 30th anniversary edition, 30 years of something around. And wow. it's been a great, a great help. Uh, and I know it helped my, my uh, oldest daughter in particular. And uh, a lot of quotes from Growing Without Schooling in here. But uh, not only about getting into college, like what it's about high school, what you could do during high school and what actual children have done in high school. It's that like fantasy. All this is, is reality based. And then how they find work and also how to get an apprenticeship if you don't want to go to college has lots and lots of good information and, and tons of tons of firsthand accounts. So the Teenage Liberation Handbook is good for showing you the the scope of the land and what's possible, particularly for unschoolers. You know, okay. um, a lot of these kids didn't have conventional transcripts at all and got into Harvard and Yale and so on, you know. And everyone says that, but it's true that they get, you know, some did. Most of like my daughters that went to community college or state college. That's, you know, that's fine. Um, yeah. This is the book that, that uh, I published at Holt Associates. To, it's, it's reverse. It's like a mirror here. Um, <laughs> and What About College by Kathy Cohen. Okay. Now, this is still available uh, probably in libraries and stuff. But what, what's interesting about hers is, um, you know, the way she, the, this is the big difference, by the way, between, keeping the record keeping we're talking about K through eight and the record keeping for high school mm -hmm. In high school, you also want to keep track of the number of hours you do something. Okay. Um, so um, for example, like this, uh, she gets four semester hours for doing, well, let me see if I can find a, a, a more fun one. That's a, a, a convention. All right. So, And the reason why you keep the hours, all right, I forget, I forget the, um, I forget the actual, let's see if I can get it here. So I don't know if you could see this breakdown, completed high school credits, math, five and a half credits, English, right? So mm -hmm. the way that's calculated, now, again, I'm not, I, I didn't review this off the top of my head, but I believe you get, um, Oh yeah, the, the the Carnegie Credit Standard is 120 or more contact hours equal a credit, one credit. Okay. So that's why you keep track of hours. Yeah. It's just quantity. It has nothing to do with the quality of the work. And that's yeah. why seat time. That's why seat time is so important in school because it's all it's all coming out of these calculations, right? Yeah. And so that's one way. But then you know what's fun about this book is like talking about you know. Um, Let's see if I can find it real quick. Talking about how you use real life, you know, um, you know, so like this is from her daughter's, um, yeah, from her daughter Tamara's um, high school uh, uh, transcript. Um, dramatic arts and choir, right? Uh, she was in women's choir. She's the director of the beginning women's choir. She was in a musical. Solo performances on piano. She does um, section leader for the advanced women's choir. That's what counts towards college credit. Yeah. You know, real life experience. It isn't just grades from tests. You yes. know, so, you know, president of the Overland Bible Club, you know, bell choir participation. Um, and then, you know, work experience, using a cash register. Well, you'd be surprised, right? You know, that's math, of course. And mm -hmm. most, that's perfectly acceptable. You know, I mean, you don't have to say like, 
I, I, I took math 101 and said I worked at a 7-Eleven and, and never once did I make incorrect change. And you know, I was praised for my uh, customer service and whatnot. You know? Yeah. And, and then it, the, the book that really covers it all um, is this one, The Homeschooler's Guide to Portfolios and Transcripts by mm. Loretta Moore. It's published by ARCO. And this is more recent. And like, I think we printed that in the early 90s. This, this came out in like 2011 or so, I believe. And it's still there. I saw it on Amazon recently. And what's great about this one is not only does she talk about, you know, transcripts, but she talks about how to document different types of transcripts. Okay. You, know, uh, you have your, the portfolio using technology. Um, you know, do you want, uh, here's a, a homeschooler's comprehensive college application, preparing for college admissions, creating your transcript. It's really good how to get, um, uh, whatchamacallit, how to get um, recommendations, extracurricular activities. I mean, all these things, you know, just keep track of them. That's why I'm saying, like, you know, just a sentence a day, dating, like, if you got a photo of them, like, helping out plant trees for Arbor Day or something, put that photo in there. Yes. <laughs> That all matters, you know, mm-hmm. and and so this is this is excellent. It also explains terms like rubrics and stuff that you know are very germane to the transcript process, but that we we only encounter when we do that, you know. So so wow. that's helpful. And then um, the last two are by this gentleman, uh, West Beach, who I've, I've met a couple of times in California. He works with um, a lot of uh, special um, gifted children, and that's mm-hmm. gifted children. And um, this book, Self-Directed Learning, Documentation, and Life Stories. Oh, let's get that. There yeah. by West Beach. Just, uh, back, when did this come out? This was fairly recently. Let's see. This came out in 2015. Okay. Print. Yep. And uh, if you have special uh, children who are gifted or special needs or just have like um, alternative ways of, of learning that mm-hmm. are, are, are a little unusual, um, his, his work is incredible. You know, he runs, and, and he runs, a, the reason he was able to write these books is he wrote, he runs a, um, a correspondence school called Beach High School for um, homeschool, homeschool learners. Wow. You know, um, so he just basically guides you as you do your things, you know, and helps you document them. And, and tons and tons of examples, again, like in, in his book of, you know, how, how they're calculated, and stuff, and, and you know, he, he talks about test scores and whether or not you need them. Some people do, and like he makes a good point. It depends on also the type of college you're applying to. Um, yeah. You know, if you know they they treasure those scores, definitely take the courses and, and do well on them. But yeah. you know, not all of them do. So, and, and also not all colleges require it. Period. You know. So you know, like I said, if you want to find a, if you really want to go to college. You know, you can find one that that matches your your background. And if you want to do something that that's really advanced or or requires like, you know, a, a super specialized college and degree, homeschoolers do that, too. You know, yeah. uh, Grant Colfax, uh, you know, his family was one of the first celebrity homeschoolers. Uh, Grant was yeah. not the first homeschooler to get into Harvard, but probably the most famous uh, because in the it was like 1981 or 82. Grant got, got in, accepted into uh, Harvard um, and he never went to school. And, then, you know, and the main reason they let him in was because he did a lot of work of 4-H and his family was raising dairy goats. And he became sort of an expert in raising dairy goats in, in their care. 
And even, you know, so as a young man at high school age, he was writing articles about this that were getting published in, in dairy journals and 4-H magazines and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so Harvard was so impressed with this, you know, and he wanted to become a doctor, right? And Harvard was impressed, you know, with all this. So, so they admitted him. Um, and what happened? Well, it, it made the, the national news. And then the National Enquirer ran a headline that said, Goat Boy Gets Into Harvard. <laughs> <laughs> and somehow his fame exploded and he was on The Tonight Show being interviewed by Johnny Carson. <laughs> All the people he got into Harvard as a homeschooler. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and, and an unschooler. Yeah, very, very yeah. much so. His parents addressed, in fact, on my website, the whole website, you could see Nikki and David delivering a couple of speeches at our conference. Wow. Um, so, um, yeah, I mean, there, there's many, many different ways of, of getting into school. And, you know, the main thing is to, to love what you're doing and, and do it well. Yeah. You know? and, and, and you might not need to go to college if you do that, to be honest. True. Know? Definitely. Well, I love those resources that you gave because I I'm a huge reader and everything that I want to learn, I learn through reading. And so I have read most of John Holt's books and I, the teenage liberation handbook I had off my, on my list to read. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't think I can get it from the library, so I have to buy it. But, um, but yeah, so, so helpful. And I think that's what most people are worried about. They're like, how do I do this? All those specifics of transcripts and records and, and will they be successful? I don't want to ruin my kid's future. And so everything that you said just is so helpful and vital. And I really, really appreciate you giving me your time today to, to just answer all those questions. And, and I really just appreciate you. You're welcome, Beth. Well, thank you so much. <laughs> Great. Well, take care. I enjoyed that interview so much and I'm so thankful that Pat agreed to give me some of his time. I will leave links to all of the books that we talked about in this episode in the description, as well as links to where you can find Pat online. Thank you so much for listening today. If you found it helpful, I would love for you to take a quick second to rate it and to give my podcast a rating as well. Until next time, go enjoy those kiddos of yours.